Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And we begin today our Fall Maria Thon uh, fundraiser for Radio Maria, and we commend the whole week into Our Lady's hands that she would take control of this fundraiser, that it would bring forth the, the money we need to keep Radio Maria flourishing and getting the word of God out into the homes of all of our listeners across this great country. So if you can give and reach deep into your pockets, give us a call right now at 888-408-0201, 888-408-0201. I also want to mention that we need volunteers. If you're in the Alexandria, Virginia area, and you can come into the station and help take phone calls and man the phones with us, what a great gift to give to Our Lady uh, this um week of October 17th through I think the 24th um, you can call this number to set that up 888-408-0201 it's the same phone number that we do pledge that you can call to also schedule time to come in and work in our studio to help us with our fundraiser that number is 888-408-0201 we need bodies to man the phones because hopefully they'll be ringing off the hook it's also Monday so good morning mom how are you Good morning. Very well. Good. What's new with you? Nothing too much. Um, two of my granddaughters came out yesterday for lunch. Uh, it's a 50-mile ride, so we don't see them that often. So it was lovely, huh. and we got to spend some time with them. Excellent. I just got a text. We're, I said Alexandria, Virginia. We're not in Virginia. We're in Alexandria, <laughs> Louisiana. I don't. I was just. Uh, I'm brain fog. I guess it's. My it's early. I'm tired. Didn't sleep well last night. We're in Alexandria, Louisiana, where the hot sauce comes from. So if you're there, give that number a ring. <laughs> Thank you for people that listen. <laughs> so today's the feast of Saint Ignatius of Antioch, one of the great martyrs of the church. He is in the Roman Missal Eucharistic Prayer One. Died in uh, what was it? I think 107. AD. He was the successor of St. Peter as Bishop of Antioch. Yes, I saw that this morning. He's actually quite a great person. He wrote seven uh, to seven communities on his way to his martyrdom, uh, encouraging them in their faith. And we have a record of these because they're all, they've been saved. Imagine we have le letters written from somebody, uh, you know, back in the year 106, I would imagine, um, that we still have today. And he writes about the, the, them to keep the faith, to celebrate the Mass. So the Mass, we have documentation, the Mass was being celebrated by the Catholic communities all the way back then. And also he said, do not deter me when I pass through your city on my way to my death. This is 
my way to sainthood. And he said, when you see me, do not try to uh, get the Romans to stop my martyrdom because this is my path to my eternal reward. So what great faith he had. Uh, in the Magnificat book uh, that we use for the mass, there's a meditation today by him and it sounds like it was written on his way to um, his death. And it's really beautiful. Um, he talks about his blood being spilled and waking up, rising up to the Lord. Um, and uh, it was I read it this morning. It was really beautiful. May I rise in his presence. Only beg for me strength within and without that I may be a man, not merely of words, but also of resolution. That I may not only be called a Christian, but also prove to be one. Uh, really beautiful. Yeah. So again, this week we're we're looking for you to reach deep into your uh, pockets and help us support Radio Maria. This will be going on from today through Friday. So 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 of this week. And uh, we need your support. You're, we do not put commercials on Radio Maria because we, we realize that many of the commercials have a message that's contrary to the gospel. And we do not want to do that. And, and if you listen to other stations that have commercials, you realize they're very interruptive and they, they often are counterproductive to what people are trying to preach. So um, this is it. This is the only way we stay on the air is through your generosity. And so we'll ask the Holy Spirit right now to come down upon those people he wants to call in to Radio Maria today. 888-408-0201. Uh, one of the things I was mentioning in my homily today was I was going back to the Sacrament of Confirmation, which completes the initiation that begins in baptism. And uh, in the words of the Catechism, it says it makes the candidate a perfect Christian. I mean, not in the sense of being sinless, but in the sense of being complete. And the significance of this is that the candidate is now a soldier for Christ. And all the baptized are obliged to engage in this unceasing war, which the devil wages against human souls. And the stages of initiation indicate stages of readiness. So the confirmed would be considered ready for the frontline battle. And what used to happen, and you would remember this, mm -hmm. prior to Vatican II, is after signing the candidate on the forehead with the oil of chrism, the bishop would give a, the candidate a slight blow to the cheek or a slap. And, and this was uh, after um, putting the cross on the head and actually goes back to the Middle Ages. There's liturgical versions of what this is called the coli, the blow to the cheek given to new knights in many versions of the knighting ceremony and equivalent to the, the touch to the shoulders with the sword that the queen or king of a country would do to dub a new knight. Uh, that was what was done to the Catholic to get them ready and make them aware that you may, your life might be required of you one day for your faith, but now you are equipped with everything you need in, in terms of grace and courage to be a martyr. Do you remember yours? Oh, I absolutely remember mine. Um, but I've never heard it like that compared to being a knight. I like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do remember the slap. Do you remember who the bishop was? No. No, I don't. Nonetheless, he stands in place of Christ. Yes. Yes, and it was to make you strong, um, yeah. to remind you that you need strength to be a Christian. So many things we've watered out of our faith, and it really, you know, the people today, when the kids, I see them, when they go to confirmation, they barely know what's happening. 
they know they mm-hmm. have to pick a name for them, but they really, it's so much, it was so much lost when we, we changed all of these sacraments and the meanings behind them and the, you know, what it stood for and why we're doing it. It's just, I don't know it's, why we did all this. It's that combined with the social media that we have today because they're so, just so distracted with that. Well, I suppose, but like when you don't really get the full meaning of why the thing is happening, uh, of course, it's not going to leave as big an impression on you. And so Nonetheless, we are. I'm sure yeah. you have your own thoughts about what you wanted to talk to us about today. Well, I have. Uh, I would like to talk about the infant of Prague. Um, I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but a friend recently gave me a statue of the infant. And um, it, the one she gave me was very old. I don't think you've seen it. The last time you were here, I don't think I had it. Is that right? When you were home for a visit the last time? I didn't have it yet. Are you there, Father Dan? I think I've lost you. No, I'm here. I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, there you are. You haven't seen it, no. No, no, no. So it's very old. The statue itself is really still quite beautiful. But it's it. This, the infant is usually dressed in real clothes. And this one came in, in tatters and shreds, the clothing. And... Uh, that it looked like the head and the hands had both been knocked off and glued back because you can see very easily where it's been glued. So the poor statues, I don't know what its history has been, but now I have it. And it brought back some memories to me. My mother had a statue of the infant and she said it always should face the door where people entered the home. Well, as I did a little research on this, I found out that a lot of uh, superstitious things uh, go along with the statue mostly came out of ireland the superstitions but um a vivid memory of uh, mine is from the church i went to in brooklyn good shepherd when i was uh, in grammar school my father had a whole bunch of cousins there were eight in one family and they were responsible for the statue in the church of the infant of prague and it was their job to change his clothes according to the seasons of the church year and they just thought it was a labor of love uh, they just had a big devotion to the infant. And so that's really all I knew about it when I received this new statue. So I began researching. I, are you familiar with this devotion, Father Dan? No, I, I know the statue. I don't know the devotion. Yeah. Um, so it's the, it's the child Jesus. So it's really a veneration of the Son of God. So the, the original statue has a very interesting story with it. It was brought to Prague in the 16th century Uh, by a Spanish princess whose mother had given it to her as a wedding gift. That's one version of the story. Another version is that St. Teresa of Avila had the statue and gave it to Donna Isabella of Spain, who then gave it to her daughter on her wedding day. Either way, this princess got it on her wedding day. And the statue that she got was made of wood covered in wax. And it was only 19 inches tall. So it's rather short. It is clothed in a royal mantle, royal clothes, and has a beautiful jeweled crown on his head. His right hand is raised in blessing, and his left hand holds a globe topped by a cross, which signifies sovereignty. Now, the princess eventually gave the statue to the Carmelites in Prague. And this was a very poor order, and at times they hardly had enough to eat. So she gave the statue with these words. I hereby give you what I prize most highly in this world, and as long as you venerate this image, you will not be in want. And then what happened? The statue was venerated, the community prospered, everything was going well, 
And then uh, it, they backed off of this devotion, and it seemed that God's blessing departed from them as well. So um, the, 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 whole, the whole history of this particular statue is one of prosperity and uh, times of difficulty. Uh, many of the novices in the, in the Carmelites had a devotion to the infant. And there was one brother in particular, Cyril. He had a very big devotion to the infant. However, war came, the novices were moved to another location, and so the most fervent worshipers were gone. So the prosperity of the community declined. And then uh, uh, there was political upheaval. The, Car the Carmelite monastery was plundered. The image of the infant was thrown into a pile of rubbish behind the altar. Both hands were broken off. And uh, it was left there for seven years, forgotten by everybody. So now the community comes back together again. And uh, the prior assembled them to offer prayers to appease God's wrath. And then this brother Cyril is now Father Cyril. And he remembered the favors that the community had received through these prayers to the infant. So he searched the monastery and he found the statue almost buried in dust. So he kissed the statue, placed it on the altar, and the devotions were revived. And uh, one day while he was praying before the statue, he heard these words, have pity on me and I will have pity on you. Give me my hands and I will give you peace. The more you honor me, the more I will bless you. And he had not noticed that the hands were missing because the cloth mantle was over the statue. So uh, the prior, it was brought to his attention, and he made the decision that the community was too poor to have the statue repaired. So this Father Cyril begged the Father in heaven to send money to get the statue repaired. And then three days later, he's called to the sickbed of a wealthy man who he tells about the statue. The man gives him a generous amount of money, and it's for the purpose of having the statue fixed. Uh, and you know, Father, in an order, um, you take a vow of poverty, and you can't keep any money for yourself. Everything has to be turned over to the the head of the order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the prior decided instead of fixing it that he would buy a whole new statue. This is very funny. So hardly was the statue, the new one, put in place when it was shattered by a falling candlestick. And the old, it was they couldn't use that one at all. So they got the old one out, the broken one, and they continued to pray in front of that one. Now, as time went on, it was back and forth. When they they got some money, the, the priors never wanted to use it for the statue. They always used part of it, not enough to fix it. And then things would go badly. Uh, they'd pray, it would get better. Finally, a woman came and gave us some of money, but when they turned to thank her, she had disappeared. No one saw her coming or going. Um, so anyway, they, uh, they finally fixed the infant and um, and that's the statue that's there today. Uh, oh, an, ep an epidemic came to the city. And this is what finally convinced the prior. Uh, he became close to death and he prayed to the infant that he would say mass in front of the statue for nine days if he recovered. He immediately felt better and in a few days he was completely well. So he did, he said the masses and then finally the statue got, got fixed. So, um, it, it's it's to this day in Prague, and I read about this woman who kept a blog, and she took a trip to Prague just to see the statue, 
and she put a picture on the blog site and it's the most beautiful beautiful altar it's immense and there's this tiny little statue and she said when she walked into the church she couldn't believe how small it was it's so oh. small um so there it is on this grand altar this little 19 inch statue so the carmelite sisters sewed robes for the infant for the celebrations and holy days they used white for christmas and easter they used red for holy week and pentecost purple for advent and lent and blue for the assumption so the wardrobe that the infant wears is similar to a priest's alb it's made of white linen and covering that is a robe made of silk or velvet and it represents the infant jesus dressed in royal robes as king of the universe so um the they celebrate the feast uh, on the holy name of Jesus, which is January 3rd. So the, the infant of Prague kind of goes into that feast of the holy name of Jesus. And you can find this a statue of the infant in many churches. We have one in the church that I go to. And it's quite beautiful. And yes, he's dressed in real clothes. So I think my own statue must have a history of its own because of you can see the things that were glued back on. Um, my granddaughter was over, my little 10-year-old granddaughter, and uh, I, I helped her to sew a new robe for him, and so that's on him now, and I made it out of your vestment material that I used for you, Father Dan. Oh. So now I plan on making an alb, and I'm going to make more robes in the different colors, and I have all these leftover pieces of material from your vestments and your um, stoles. Mm -hmm. So I'm ha very happy with this. Um, so when I got the statue. It came with a little novena, and Dad and I began the novena to him. And after the nine days, we just felt like we should keep it going. So we say it every night after the rosary, the novena. It's just like a continual novena that we pray. So I'm very happy to have this new statue. Um, it's a new devotion that I hadn't had before, and um, I'm just very happy with it. And so um, I would encourage any of you that have a statue to rekindle your love for the baby Jesus. Well, we have three of these statues, 10-inch statues, that we are going to offer right now to the first people who can pledge $250 to Radio Maria. It's a 10-inch, beautiful, infinite prog. Um, really? Yep. And uh, the number, again, is 888-408-0201. There's only three of them, and there's, that's the real number. So... Sometimes people, uh, we overbook because two people take a call on different lines and, and take it. We only have three, so this is going to be it. So you two can have an infant prog in your home. And uh, what a great uh, addition to your collection of saints and angels that we have in our houses. I, I don't have one in my home, actually. We have one in the church. I do you? It's very old. Um, when we painted the church, we had to move him out, and now we're waiting for a marble shelf to be installed that he could be put up on. Does he have real clothes? He does not have real clothes. Hmm. Yeah, the one in my church does. Yeah, I it's a very interesting devotion. I don't know if devotion. I want to burden somebody to be making <laughs> the statue clothes. <laughs> I suppose if somebody wanted to, <laughs> they could. But actually, when well, you know, you look at some of the pictures online. So some of the clothes are so ornate. Yes. I mean, like the detail with the lace on the wrists and on the wrist. Yeah, the that's yeah. that's yeah. I'm not doing that on my statue, but Amazing. I have seen that too. It's yeah. and actually in my church, it has that too. 
very so impressive. I thought I, would, I thought I would just want to mention about St. Teresa of Avila because her feast day was last Saturday and she's such a great saint. Mm-hmm. I know you love her. Um, so just to recap, she was a Spanish Carmelite nun in the 1500s. Um, she founded many convents all throughout Spain and she's mostly known for reforming the Carmelite order. Um, and I was reading a little bit about last night about her and uh, wow, the convent had really fallen into some not so good practices. They they had people that stayed, you know, friends and relatives that stayed over with the nuns in the convent. It was more like a party atmosphere. So she restored austerity and the contemplative life to the order. And of course, she became the first woman doctor of the church, which is a very big thing, in 1970. And uh, best known for her writing of the interior castle. Uh, and she wrote this under obedience to her superior. And then again, she had this body of work that they could examine to see if she was worthy to be a doctor of the church. So it's a journey of a soul through seven, seven stages, which she calls mansions, ending with union with God. Now each level describes a step to get closer to God. And entrance into the first mansion is by prayer and meditation. So she describes the various rooms of this castle through which the soul must pass before reaching the inner chamber, the place of communion with God. And uh, I have the book. I've read it a long time ago, and I took it out to look up a few things about her, and it got me interested in it again. I think I'm going to start reading it again. Um, Interior Castle. So one of she has many things that she said that are wonderful, but one of them that I thought I'd share with you is, let nothing disturb you, nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God is unchanging. Patience gains all. Nothing is lacking to those who have God. God alone is sufficient. A wonderful saint. Yes, she was. The big Teresa. That's what <laughs> the little Teresa called her. Yeah. Yeah. And now we have Mother Teresa to add to the Teresas. Yes. Uh, she had a difficult life. I mean, the beginning when the, the houses were so just crazy. Um, not so much. But reforming, nobody wanted to be reformed. And you can imagine why. She mm-hmm. took away their parties. She took away their you know lavish food and drink. Um, took away their shoes. I mean, <laughs> people <laughs> hated her. They hated her. She had to go in disguise when she entered a new city to do to visit a convent to be reformed because of people trying to attack her. Mm. And eventually, you know, even God uh, seemed to, you know, be giving her a hard time. There's a famous story of her traveling. It was winter. Winter in Spain can be terribly bitter cold. It's raw, uh, wet and cold. And of course, she's traveling in uh, by carriage. Uh, by horse so it's not like it's a car that has heat and they hit a pit and the carriage got tossed into a big mud puddle and she said uh lord if this is how you treat your friends it's no wonder you have so few (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful yes and i like the one with the the uh, sand going through the hourglass when she kept tapping it to make it go a little faster (laughs) so it was she used to time her prayer time her holy hours yeah yes yeah so she, in many ways, she was much like all of us. Yeah. But she did rise to great heights by surrendering everything. She said her first 20 years in the convent were not good at all. She said her prayer life was terrible. Uh, and that was probably when she was tapping the, 
the, the, the sand through the hourglass. Um, and, and she said she just wasn't focused at all on, you know, really prayer. Uh, that came, she had an experience of the Lord and then everything changed. Well, yeah, she was shown hell, by the way. Was she? And and they were preparing a house for her there. Oh. Just like Jesus preparing a home in heaven, they were preparing a home oh. for her in hell. Oh, and boy. then she had the realization that she merited hell at that point in her life. So that's was part of the conversion too, mm-hmm. that she got a little more serious. Yeah. I would imagine if we saw the, the devil building a house for us in <laughs> yes. hell, we'd, we'd get more serious with our yes. prayer life. Yeah, that would be for sure. A wake-up call for everybody. Again, we are uh, raising money this week for Radio Maria to uh, continue to bring you uh, all the programming that you so enjoy. The number is 888-408-0201, and we have three Infinite Products 10-inch statues for the first three people that can pledge $250. 888-408-0201. Any final thoughts? No, just um, beautiful St. Teresa of Avila and the beautiful Infinite Prague, beautiful devotions. Yeah. Okay, continue to stay with us all day. We'll be, uh, programming will continue. Let me give you my blessing. I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing off.